Morning, everyone. I, uh, well, I sure thought I saw worship going on right there where you're at, whether you're in your living room or in your automobile or wherever you might be. It just doesn't matter when you feel and sense the presence of the Lord. doesn't matter where your geographical location is because we know that God is omnipresent. He's right there where you are at. And we know that He's with us through all the challenges that we face today. We, uh, we know without a doubt, no fear, no anxiousness, that our God rules and reigns. I hope it's occurred to you that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for all of us. He knows your need. He knows the challenge that, that you are facing. He knows the difficulty. I can tell you that He's known your future and my future before the foundations of the earth. So we want to continue to pray. We're getting some good reports of those that have been sick. And some of our friends uh, in uh, Springfield, our missionaries, uh, they are recovering. And God, God actually took a couple of them from the door of death and brought them through. And they are recovering. And we're grateful for that. Well, I know this. I don't, uh, I don't know much about today or much about tomorrow, but I know eventually we're going to work our way through COVID-19. We're going to have some great, great memories. And then I want you to also know that in the midst of challenge often is some of the greatest environment for God to do a miracle. I hope you're believing with me. I, I hope you are searching for the supernatural to move in your life and in your family. I pray that you're calling on God and, and saying, God, I, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you to bring to pass. You see, this, my friend, is not the end. This is not the end. This is journey through. So we know that we're going to make it. We're going to believe God. Victory Church, your church, our community is praying for you. Our staff is here every day. We are continuing to work feverishly. We're working differently now and have more challenges are coming in. Individuals that have needs and we're working our best to see that those needs are met. Because we know that's important. You see, you see, COVID-19 cannot stop the ministry of the church. It's God's church. And we're going to be certain that we do everything that we can to continue to lift the message of Jesus Christ higher than we've ever done before. We just maybe do it a little differently like, like doing this right now, coming to you online. I know that you're there. Every once in a while, I'd appreciate an amen here and there. And I know that on our Facebook, we can see every comment. We can see every amen. We can see every heart, every prayer, all of that. So make it your business to respond to us. It certainly encourages us. And then I want to say thank you for your giving. Thank you for honoring the Lord. You know, when you put God first, and as a matter of fact, when you don't put God first, uh, that's not so good. Uh, the task is not easy when you step out of priority and you fail to put God first. He is absolute first, and, and he's jealous. He doesn't want it any other way. I just pray that you'll be faithful. I, I communicated with a young convert this week, and she said, Pastor, I'm paying my tithe. This individual has known the Lord, but just kind of got out there and uh, 
kind of made an about face, but I'm telling you, I've never seen a young woman so lit up for Jesus as this young lady. And we know that, we know that she is developing that spiritual maturity and she's unafraid to tell people about what God has done for her. So Kelly, I'm praying for you and believing God will minister continually in your life. And this morning, right before we started service, I was communicating with an individual. You know, God always gives you just uh, little spurts of, hey, I'm for you, I'm with you. This is one of our individuals that watches from another state and, uh, of course, uh, sends a tithe and offering here. And he said, oh, oh by the way, Pastor, I, I want you to know, I want you to know that I'll be sending a $25,000 check in uh, for the tithe and the offering this week. I said, God, you are so good. Somebody say amen out there. You are so good. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. If we do it God's way, God will always allow us to prevail. We might do the easy route to begin with, but you get toward the end, it'll get so tough, you'll wish you go back and say, God, I wish that I've done it like you wanted to do it to begin with. He never fails. You can put your trust in him. Well, I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask you, I know to bow your heads. I was on a conference call the other day and I uh, said, well, let's pray. And uh, on, the, on the, or not a conference call, it was a Zoom call. And about half of them didn't even close their eyes. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, do you have to close your eyes in order to pray? Well, I just think it's better to do that. So if you're driving, you get a free pass, okay? But otherwise, let's just bow and pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you we have the privilege to engage and to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. I thank you because I know nothing is impossible with you. I thank you because, Father God, you set us up for a safe landing. You set us up for the supernatural. You set us up, God, to be overcomers. You set us up, Father, to be able to get the work of the ministry done. And today is no different. And Lord, in this time and in this series, we know that sometimes our hands may hang down and our knees might get a little shaky. But Lord, we're going to stay up. We're going to be optimistic in everything that we do. We are not going to judge. We're going to go up to another level that's beyond our wildest imagination. Now, would you put your hand on businesses of Victory Church and families and single families and single adults? God, in your name right now, do what they never imagined you can do and bring to pass the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
And that old guy, he fooled everybody, didn't he? They thought uh, they're going to haul him off, but he made a way where there seems to be no way and then looks out the window. Did you notice that? I'll send you a postcard. I got to tell you, I like gumption. I like people that say, hey, this thing's not going to get me. I'm going to figure a way to, to get above it. And that's what this whole series entitled Up is all about. Today, we're going to talk about something that, that ought to light your fire. And uh, the main topic is, is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm has a spiritual connotation. So I want you to stay with me and think about enthusiastic, enthusiasm. Now, there are some people that you know that, that their enthusiasm is adversely affected by the circumstances that they're in. If they're in bad circumstances, there is no enthusiasm. If they're in, in wonderful uh, circumstances, boy, their enthusiasm is really high. But then there are those people that their enthusiasm impacts their environment it doesn't matter whether the environment is positive or negative they can come into a room and in an arena and everyone knows that they're there they're not rude they're just positive they're they're excited they they are engaged in conversation they're not waiting on anybody or anything they just light up the world and those are the kind of people that that we believe, according to our text today, you're going to see that maybe that's something that we, uh, we all ought to have, is a little more enthusiasm, a little more drive. Well, I had a friend who said he was traveling through an airport, could have been Atlanta, and uh, he said, I, I, I heard a worship chorus singing, and I, someone singing a worship chorus, and said, I thought, well, where is that coming from? And I kept walking. He's like me. Most of the time when you come in to the airport there, your gate is way on the end wherever you go. It's always down there on the end. And he said, I heard this, uh, this singing going on. It sounded like a worship chorus. And, and I thought, well that, well, well, that is something. I listened for the sound system in the airport. And I thought, no, it's not coming from that. And uh, he said, I, I got closer to it. And he said, it was a, a, a lady in a little kiosk. He said, where they sell, you know, candy bars or chewing gum and maybe sell some popcorn or some drinks and things like that. Always have one person, have one individual register. And it was that lady singing and said, and I got closer. She, of course, is saying to, uh, saying to a man, sir, I, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful trip today. Hey, hey, I, I hope you have a successful business meeting. Said to a lady as she walked by, boy, that's a beautiful dress you got on. It fits you perfectly. And she continued to do that. And he said, I, I got close to her and she said, how are you, sir? Said, may I serve you? He said, in my mind, I don't even chew gum, but he said, in my mind, if this lady is going out of her way to make this kind of impact on people. He said, I got to buy something. Say, I bought a pack of gum, a pack of gum that, and I don't even chew gum. Said, she impacted me. He said, well, I, I went ahead and she said, you have a good day, sir. Hope you have a safe journey. And I went on, he said, but I couldn't get away from her. He said, my meeting was a turnaround meeting, and I thought, well, uh, I'm coming back through here tomorrow. And he said, I flew back into that 
uh, airport, but I was on a different terminal. But he said, I had about a three-hour layover, and in that three-hour layover, he said, I thought, I'm going to go. I'm at Terminal B, and I'm going to go to Terminal D. That's, that's where she's at. And he said, I got on the tram, and I went over there and turned down her way, wondering if she's even going to be there. And he said, I, I began to hear that singing. And uh, she said, when I, he said, when I heard the singing, I got closer, and it was the same thing. And he said, uh, that interested me, and said, I, I went over to her as I was coming up to her. She said, hi, I remember you from tomorrow. You, you bought a pack of gum from me. He said, well, I, I sure did. She said, apparently your trip was, was good. He said, yeah. He said, do you have a few minutes? She said, well, I don't have a customer right here. What do you need? He said, what's up with you? She said, what do you mean what's up with me? He said, well, you're so enthusiastic. You're so happy. You're so full of joy. She said, you know, that emanates out of my heart. She said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I hope you recognize that already. She said, I sing the worship songs that we sing at my church. and I just enjoy it. She said, have you ever noticed people in an airport? She said, they're, they're huffing and puffing. Most of them are fast walking, if not running. They never say anything to anybody uh, at all. Not, nothing whatsoever. And she said, when I saw that, I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference. He said, well, how long do you work every day? And she said, uh, he said, about two or three hours. And she said, oh, no, I have an eight-hour shift. I do this for eight hours, and I, I love my job. He said, and your desire is to impact people. She said, I want to tell you, when I gave my heart to Christ, she said, I was, a, I was not a social person. I was a person of anxiousness, and I was afraid. But she said, when I, when I came to know Jesus Christ and I got a wonderful infilling of his Holy Spirit, it changed my whole world. She said, I became more excited and enthused about what God is going to do in my life. She said, you know what I do? I sell a few bottles of Pepsi or sell peanuts and gum and things like that. But she said, I sell, I sell encouragement. I sell enthusiasm. I, I sell pleasure. And I take people that are grumpy and mad and late often. And I try to impact their lives so that they remember me. He said, well, I sure did. I wasn't supposed to uh, be in this terminal. I'm in another terminal, a couple terminals down. But I just had to come and talk to you. She said, thank you. Said She grabbed him and hugged him with a great hug and said, God bless you. You got to say, well, that's not me, but it can be, can be an individual that emanates from the inside. After all, having experience with God ought to make a difference in all of us. We ought to be that encourager, encourager. Enthusiasm comes from two particular words. If you study the Greek, one uh, is E-N, that means I-N, E-N means I-N, N, and theos, that's theology, theos, in other words, in theos. It means in God. God in you. Enthusiasm means God in you. In theos. You see, an enthusiasm, as we might think in our mind, well, that's just a mood. That's, that's just a process. But listen, here's what we find within theos. It says it is a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. 
amazing. That relationship that goes 24-7, no matter what's happening on the outside or on the inside, it's that entheos, that enthusiasm that God fills us with. Well, I have a little scripture. It's the Apostle Paul. He's speaking out of 1 Corinthians 15, and he said, but thank God. Why? Because God gives us victory over sin. Somebody get excited about that? And death. Why? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, hey, that is something that will excite your exciter, make you enthused when you come to grips with this thought that God has given you the victory over sin and death, and it was through his son, Jesus. It's no wonder that when this lady fell in love with Jesus, her Lord and Savior, she became enthused about it. That means that when we get weak, that presence of entheos in us seems to bring us up again till we can speak positively. And you know what? No matter what, no matter how long in our life, he's saying to you and me, and that's the purpose of saying today, up, let's go up, let's go up a level. Let's say, all right, where I'm at, maybe not excited. Where I'm at is maybe a little bored. Where I'm at, maybe uh, not really moved by anything. This the pandemic has really got me down. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take time, and I'll tell you how in a minute, to take time and say, God, reignite me from the inside out to rise above where I'm at now, to become a person that represents the love of Jesus Christ in a greater way. And it ought to be reflected in our work. It ought to be reflected in our activity. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what technique or what job you have. It doesn't matter that. Here's what Paul writes in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, you see it there. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your what? All of your heart. He said, as working for the Lord and not for men. Doesn't matter what you do. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord with all of your heart. Not like you're working for a man, but knowing that you're working for God. Boy, you might want to just cross your arms and think about that for a minute and say, wow. Is cooking lunch today, is that working unto the Lord? I think it is. Uh, boy, what else do I do? I mow lawns. That's working unto the Lord. But I own that business. No, that's God's gift to you to make a living. Well, I, I, you know, I'm a banker. You know, that's, that's working under the Lord. You don't know some of the rascals that I have to deal with. No, that's working under the Lord. That's a gift. There are a lot of people that don't have a job today that's been furloughed. And they would love for someone to call them today and say, hey, I have a job for you. The income level is going to come in once again. So it doesn't matter whether you mow the lawns or you're a servant somewhere. I, I said in my notes, waiting tables, but nobody's doing that right now. Maybe next week we will. But whether or not you're a CEO, you do it as under the Lord, just like this lady that was not in the manual for employees at the airport. But it happened because something happened on the inside, she said, I take grumpy people and I make them smile. I'm going to take you through a little dialogue with a person that we know as David. His story is found in 1 Samuel. Most of you know it by heart and think, well, I know what that is. He was a shepherd boy, I don't know, 12, 13, somewhere along there. 
and he was filled with enthusiasm. He grew up not understanding when he was a shepherd boy that eventually he'd become a king. You see, when you line up with the priorities of God and you allow him to manifest his power and his presence in your heart, he'll take you places that you have never been before. I believe you'll be doing things you never thought that you'd ever dream of doing. Well, David met Goliath. We know that. Goliath came out to the armies of Israel. Saul is there. They're afraid. David's brothers are there. They're afraid. And Goliath screams out to the armies of Saul and said, who will fight with me today? David is there. He brought a sack lunch to his brothers. Who will fight? For here's what would take place. If you were to choose someone for the Philistine army, that's Goliath. Choose someone from the armies of Saul, whomever that might be, but nobody, no one wanted to go out. David said, I'll go out. David went out, of course, and said, hey, I will fight for you. As a matter of fact, here's what David did. It says this, you come against me with sword and spear and a javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he went on, this day, right here, right now, the Lord is going to deliver you, big boy, into my hands, and I'm going to strike you down and cut off your head. Goliath must have looked down and thought, They've sent an absolute nut, a little boy out here who is a wise guy. I have killed hundreds of people, several at the same time. And this boy who barely is shaving, if at all, and he comes with this message, he's going to strike me down. You know, it's amazing that David had the ability to look beyond the enemy. He had the ability to look beyond the giant. He had the ability to look into the peace of God that was in his heart. How did he, how did he do that? What was it inside him? And I'll tell you what it is. In him, there was the creation of entheos. Entheos, or enthusiasm, to be able to be called on to do the work of Almighty God. You see, he took Goliath down and delivered Goliath's head to King Saul. Now, here's three things that I think we want to remember. So listen up, everybody. Here it is. One, David trusted God daily. Number two, he walked with God daily. And number three, he worshiped God. So that's a good homework for all of us as we now listen carefully. Why did he trust? What made him trust God? You know what? The reason we trust anyone or anything, they have proven themselves that they work. They've proven to you that they will do what they say. So then we trust. Well, on one occasion, one of David's sheep was being attacked, came under attack by a lion and a bear, and uh, David simply defended his sheep and took both the lion and the bear out. It was a miraculous story. He believed that with God, all things are possible. So he used what he had in his hand. He used what he was capable of using. And he took both the lion and the bear out. No problem. That's it. Number two, he walked with God daily. He walked with God daily. That's one of the things that David was really, really excited about. And that was this. He was focused on God. 
I mean, not looking here, but focused totally on God. How was he able to do that? We have a little insight. You have a little insight how he was able to stay focused in Psalms 23. There it is, right there. What does he say? Well, let's look at it. You can see it out there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He said, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with the Holy Spirit, with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know how he was able to say that? Don't miss this. It's because he developed spiritual intimacy with God. You can't develop spiritual intimacy through a drive-thru. You can't develop it by high hello and goodbye. You develop spiritual intimacy by getting before God in whatever posture you choose. And you begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And even if I go through the valley of despair and a lion and a bear are facing Goliath, I know that you are with me. That spiritual intimacy comes to life. Thirdly, he... Um, he knew how to worship. Now, I'm going to tell you some things that you're going to find if you drill deep enough. You think when some people get excited about worship, listen to this carefully. When the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God, came into town, it represented the presence of the Lord. And the Bible said that David worshiped God. And here's what he said he did. He danced with all his might. I mean, with everything that is with them. I thought about that, and I thought, well, well, what is that like? I've, I've seen some nuts in my day. How many of you out there in your living, you've seen some nuts? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, you might be one of them. Not just kidding. Dance with all of his might. Here's what I imagine. You take two guys. They, uh, they of course, maybe are Florida Gator fans, and, and they're playing Georgia, and they're in their living room, and and I mean, this, this game has been pitched on the media and as if it's going to be the game of the year, Florida versus Georgia, and it's going to be an unbelievable game. And I mean, Florida takes and gets a slow start. It was an unbelievable start. But buddy, I think this was back when Tim Tebow might have been there. Got a slow, slow start. But all of a sudden, the Florida Gators began to crank up. And I, you just could not stop Tebow. You could not stop the offense of Florida. These two guys are in their living room. I want you to know they've got their Florida Gator fit outfits on. One of them stands up after about the third touchdown, raises his hand. He cannot control himself. He jumps up. He begins to 
dance. He knocks the popcorn over, spills the peanuts, spills the drink, everything that's going on, breaks the coffee table in front of the sofa and cannot control himself and doing gyrations like no human being should have ever done. Now, that's what I call dancing with all of your might. So listen carefully, friend. When you're intimately in love with Jesus and you know how to worship, it's not just about raising your hand or closing one eye. You worship with your whole body. You worship with your whole spirit. You worship, you don't really care what the song is. You, you just know if it's talking about God, if it's talking about Jesus. We sang a moment ago for some of you out there, and we know who you are because he lives. I can face tomorrow. It's one of the songs our worship team chose because he lives. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Because here is the bottom line. Because he lives, we will come through better than ever. You can say amen out there if you want to. Unrestrained. It was what was it in Theos that what I call divine enthusiasm. Now listen carefully. Talking about David and his accomplishments. You will never have a harvest, never, that will reveal miracles. We all want a miracle. We want to see miracles. But you're never going to have a harvest of miracles in your life and in your future just sitting there in the house or sitting on a pew or sitting in your car and never engaging in worship, never engaging in a close walk. If you want to see the miracles I just gave you three things that I think will help you. Those kinds of things do happen when we decide I'm going to trust you, not by might or power, but by your spirit, I'm going to trust you. And when you do, and you start engaging in that kind of lifestyle, and we can. In Theos is a result of our redemption. Our sins have been forgiven. Death has left us, and it's not in our future and so we can be excited. And as a result of that, we don't murmur. We don't judge. We are optimistic. And we know that he is able to do anything above and beyond our wildest imagination. This time, this time in our life is a hotbed where miracles can grow out of a pandemic. And Victory Church and the leadership and this great congregation, we believe that 100% that God desires to bring out of this challenge many wonderful miracles and lives we know are being changed individuals are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, here's something important. There was uh, more to David than just what I mentioned to you. He was an exception and over a period of time, he had wonderful success over a period of time. But David uh, became used to his circumstances as as a king that wore on him a little bit and he began to slip away the emphasis and the push to worship and and to walk with God and to trust God became less and less important to him and he began to have when you have great great success unless you keep your heart in tune you have great success you begin to have confidence in your own abilities you begin to have confidence in, I've done this before. The old adage, been there, done that. And that began to happen to David. And there were two seasons. Here it is, two seasons. 
One, when David was a kid and a young shepherd boy. And number two, when David was a king. Let's go back to David facing Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack. As Goliath came toward David, what did David do? David quickly ran to meet Goliath. He charged toward him. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel 17, 49, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with all his might, slung it, and hit the Philistine in the forehead. Have you ever thought about, well, what happened to the stone? I can tell you. If you study scripture, it says that stone sank into the head of Goliath. And when that happened, Goliath fell face forward, face forward to the ground. And David cried, who are you to come against my God? Today, everyone will know that the God I serve reigns over Israel. And Theos drove me, Goliath, not to run from you but to run toward you. It was born out of that intimacy with Almighty God, and it became to become intimate. You have to spend time together. But David, that was when he was a kid. How, how was it when he became a king? Here's what 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, the first part. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. David is now comfortable. He's the king, as I mentioned, and guess what? He's serving David. It's about David's comfort. It's about his ease. His reputation is renowned. And what does he do? He sends Joab with the entire Israeli army. So where was David? David, when the kings, when spring came, the kings were to go out and go to war. Where was David? He sent a substitute. He thought, I'm the place that I don't need to go out there. He was still back at home, a place that he was not supposed to be. You know the story. So one day, he's a little anxious. Not much happening in the kingdom. The armies are out there. He's getting daily reports. Sitting out on his flat. He's lonely, he's bored, and he walked and looked down, and there was Bathsheba dressed poorly. But let me tell you like it really was. She wasn't dressed at all. David took one look, and he thought, that's the answer to my boredom. He sent someone and got her. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be at war. He saw something he wasn't supposed to see, thought something he wasn't supposed to think. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. David made a mistake. No longer the kid within Theos. But the king who had become so positive and powerful of his own ability that it was all about what he wanted. Unbelievable. It was his intimacy with God and the intimacy daily having that walk, spending time reading the word, understand, praying the prayer and believing God 
that was with him every step of the day. As a result of that, Goliath was no match for David. You see, he believed that God had a death sentence on Goliath, and he proved it. How did David lose? How did David lose his entheos? How did David become one of those travelers in the airport that's grumpy and running and huffing and puffing? How, how was it? How did he become that kind of a person when at one time he had such enthusiasm for his prayer time, for his Bible reading, for his worship, for his fellowship? There's several things that we can see. It says he took his eyes off his calling and he put it on his personal comfort. You don't have to do a lot of guesswork when you read the scripture where Paul says, I, I die daily. You don't have to have uh, someone else interpret when Jesus said, you take up your cross and, and you follow me. You don't have to have somebody to interpret when he says, hey, you have to lose your life. For when you lose your life, you gain life. You don't need someone to interpret that for you. That's pretty clear. You see, when we're a follower in Jesus Christ, in order to fulfill his purpose in our life, we have to have the entheos. We have to maintain the intimacy if enthusiasm, the entheos, which is from the inner man, is absent, then some alarm ought to go off. Something that says, hey, you're backed up a little bit. You face reality. We should be filled with the Spirit. Wake up every day, say, God, thank you for another day. Thank you for this privilege. I, I know that I may not be working. I know my business doors may not be open. I know, God, I'm not having the opportunity to come and fellowship at the church and see everybody that I, I know and love. But here's what I do know, that whatever I have today, God, I give you the honor and the glory. I'm not pushing back. I'm going to draw close to you. Let's not slip into a place of comfort. And please don't allow all of us to allow the subtle lies of the enemy to draw us into something that may not offer God honor and glory. It was the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2, I hold something against you. He said, you've lost your first love. You had it. But somewhere, you lost it. And it continued on. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. He looks at them and says, one time I counted on you. One time, if I needed a David to go over and face a Goliath, I, I just called your number. One time, I knew that if somebody had to go through a challenge, I, I could count on you. You never questioned. You always rose to the occasion. You were there. You never grumbled because you had to go to an extra church service. You never complained when they took an offering for missions. You didn't. You never complained when you never complained when maybe they sang a song that you didn't particularly like. You never do that. He said, but now I look at you, and you've lapsed into what you consider to be entitlement. And in Christianity, there is no entitlement. It's, Lord, I sacrifice. And when you do, there's something that takes place supernaturally.
that comes in to you, and especially in times when you need it most, God shows up. It takes your breath away, and you say that the only way to explain that is that was God. You want those kind of moments? Get in a place where those moments are readily available. David came through. He was confronted, of course. Nathan said, I see some digression on you. And then David in Psalms 51, you know it. Here it is right here. I'm excited about creating me a pure heart. And renew a steadfast spirit in me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Take a look at that for a moment. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And in that moment, David was on track and running again. He realized that the only hope for success in his future and the only hope for his joy and the only hope that he could sustain a spirit-filled life with God's favor would say, God, my heart is in tune. So let me say again, there are two types of people in Christianity and in the world. There are those who let their environment dictate the level of their enthusiasm, if at all. And then there are those who let their enthusiasm dictate to their environment. Our love for Jesus, our entheos, dictates our environment. And when others might be down, and they might be complaining, and they might be walking with a limp, and they might be walking with disappointment, well... The person who says, all those things are important, but in me, I remember. He has caused me to overcome death and disease and has given me peace for all eternity. I thank you, Lord. Why? Because he lives. In Theos fills the heart of every believer who chooses not to settle for mediocrity, but desires to see the power and the love of God's Holy Spirit working in the world in which we live. And just in case, you're out there, you're listening. No matter where you're at, God's got your number. God desires to reach down and say, hey, give me just a moment and let me do something for you. So would you bow your heads I'm going to pray and ask you to repeat this prayer. Would you do it right now? Here we go. Or if you can't say it out loud, just say it in your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for bearing my sin. I ask you now to forgive me. I've made a mess of my life. I have overlooked you. I've walked away from you. But today, I'm coming home. Today, I'm opening my life, and I'm saying to you, come in. Heavenly Father, I need wisdom today. I need guidance. I have a big deal this week, and I need to know that there is an anointing 
that's on my life. I don't want anything to be between me and you, Lord Jesus. I love you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you? You can go online, victorylakeland.org. You push connect. A lot of activity happening here every single day. We want to help you. We like to minister to you and see that your need is met. You can call us. You can trust God. We're there. This week, last week, and this coming week, we have more than 3,000 families that we're calling. These are families that just have been here in the last number of weeks. We're calling many of them and say, hey, we just love you. We want to connect with you. We want you to know how valuable you are. Because quite frankly, even though we have God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you're an integral part. I'm grateful today that in this service, Sharon is here with my granddaughter. She's uh, said yesterday, she's 12. She said, Granddad, I want to go see you do the service live. And I said, Sid Bell, name is Sidney. I said, you come right on in. So I'm here to tell you I'm grateful for that. Wrap yourself around your family, and it's a good time right now as we got one more song to worship. It's a good time to take hands with your family and just praise God together. We love you, everybody. I'll see you Wednesday night at 6.30. Let's declare. Say, I will build my life upon your love. It is a
week to see you this Wednesday for our next online experience. That was a message we all needed to hear. Even when things are challenging, God will be with us, giving us the strength to do all He's called us to do. And if you've decided to follow Jesus, congratulations. You've just made the best decision of your life. Please take a moment to post a comment wherever you're watching the service or call us at 863-859-6000 and let us know so we can celebrate with you and help you through the next steps in your faith journey. Thank you again for joining our service today. We'll see you online again Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for the midweek service. God bless you.